video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name is Johnson DeClue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, and you are in the desert of, I guess, winter? The wilderness of no releases whatsoever. Well, a few releases. Yeah, oh man. I was like looking at what's coming up, and I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, that I keep, want. keep in mind, we are missing a ton of titles that should have already come out because there are ongoing issues, not only with just like the mail and delivery systems, but also with duplication houses. So we just got informed that the Technicolor plant in Toronto, or I Ooh, guess... What, what do they do, though? Well, that's where a lot of the, dupl- the disc duplication goes through for like stuff that comes to us. So apparently it's all moving to a new place in the US in like Missouri or something or Ohio. I don't think it would cause delays only because you know they make those discs send them to the people in the u.s and then the u.s send it back to you i know but the problem is now we have all of our orders we've placed with our canadian suppliers have to like go back to the u.s and then back it just creates this whole like so yeah we're missing a ton of titles there's a bunch of stuff that i was super jazzed to talk about but we still don't have a nightmare good thing for gold ninja video i do all my duplication myself there we go yeah i just need to rely on you do you want to take on some of this studio duplication stuff over there (laughs) sure i'll do some criterion titles some kino all right so let's jump right in first up in the cult section we got spawn of slithis aka just slithis Slithis. (laughs) that's a code red kino title and it's this week's blind bot right off the top so yeah and this is one that i've never watched because everyone says it sucks and then i watched it and i'm like you know what (laughs) you know what it does suck but it has a bit of, like, it's got charm to it. Oh, you like characters just sitting around talking for 90 minutes? No, not really. I mean, it's funny that that guy had to just be, the actor had to just be sewn up into that suit, like, for the entire day, and he could you know, it's... He doesn't even look like the monster on the title! Not even close! It has, like, a real homemade kind of quality to it that I, that I enjoy, and... But yeah, you're right. I mean, this is basically a movie where nothing really happens, except... I think Slithis shows up for half a second about 30 minutes in and then the first monster attack comes an hour and five minutes and i'm like finally slim this is here and then he starts like pawing and ripping a girl's shirt off and i'm like uh, oh yeah. no leave that woman alone Slithis. i know and then it just becomes like a jaws kind of ripoff for the climax where they go out onto the sea <laughs> with, to, an, with to, an ending that i literally had to like rewind <laughs> yeah. and be like did i miss something yeah i mean so what is Slithis? Slithis is a a creature created from the nuclear waste of something. I don't know. I was only kind of half paying attention to the description. Well, they're going to talk about it for a long time on couches and in scientist <laughs> offices. They talk a lot about it. The amount of times the guys say Slithis too kind of, you know, had me laughing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like, I appreciate the Venice beach surrounding. That's kind of cool, you know. It all takes place in Venice and it's all basically about this thing killing winos and hippies and stuff in the area which i thought was kind of funny you know? mark is like yeah which i agree with get rid of the homeless and those tree huggers <laughs> no i felt bad i felt so bad for the homeless Jeez, they got enough to put up with now they have to put up with this radioactive lizard man thing yeah i mean it's pretty much what you'd expect from like you know a late 70s sort of low budget monster movie i would expect a little bit more mark a little bit more more i don't know i i don't want like i'm hesitant to like fully dump all over this movie because it did bring a smile to my face at certain moments i thought the lead character the uh 
like the journalist, the aspiring journalist slash teacher guy was pretty funny and his like contempt of his like teaching job and everything. I thought that was that was kind of humorous. So uh, eight out of ten for Mark Hansen. Yeah, I, I'm really grasping at straws here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not going to recommend this one. Uh, Slithis is one of the famous like gotcha movies so like everyone who watches it is like oh man this sucks and unfortunately <laughs> there is like no special features on this disc there is I think just a trailer and that is it there's an amazing article about this movie in Stephen Thrower's book Nightmare USA which is much more entertaining than the film itself okay well then I'll have to read that because I feel like there's a lot like it's a lot more entertainment to be gleaned from just the making of this film especially since the director I guess Stephen Traxler this is like the only thing he ever directed but he went on to produce some like big hollywood movies in the future yeah and i think he was like a production manager on some big hollywood movies as well invasion usa he worked on so i guess you know he tried to make this movie at the beginning of his career i heard he wanted to make a sequel maybe too and that just never happened and then i guess he decided his uh directing career was more or less over after but that. we could talk about the next one which this film really delivers if what you want in your film is a giant killer baby man it is the unseen wait have you not seen this I have one not seen this should we have picked this or, oh no you've already seen it though. oh i've seen okay. it so technically it can't be a blind buy it's directed by your favorite friday 13th part 5 director danny steinman oh, <laughs> and it's literally about a giant baby man it's like a bunch of teens like a setup for um like friday the 13th and the killer is a guy in a big diaper played by uh a canadian he was in the meatballs movie oh steven first. yeah steven first <laughs> steven first right i'm just looking it up now ah steven and first. so like the whole time he's like Ooh! and like running at them and attacking them i think he's in a big crib too at the beginning <laughs> beautiful so, yep. so it's like the baby. Yeah, it totally delivers. Okay. Well, this one's been out a number of times before and is just getting that Code Red Kino re-release because it's been out of print. I think Scorpion put this, this out before. About, right? Yep. It's early, guys. We're doing another uh, 8.31. It's early. We're doing early morning We also had The Birth of Ultraman. Now, this is a weird release because it's just a repackaging of like a couple of episodes that Mill Creek has put out of the original Ultraman series. But the gimmick here is like, don't you want these? Because they have English dubs, which their re-release of, yeah, their re-release of the discs did not have. Right. So I guess this is what's supposed to be the... That literally the birth of Ultraman over the course of a few episodes that I guess signify that I think it's like there's a TV movie in here too I don't know we've been asked a bit about this over the last several months because this was something that you could only get directly from Mill Creek for a while it was like a uh, ex- deep discount it was a deep discount and exclusive but now yeah we've been able to get our hands on this so you know if you don't have enough Ultraman titles already we also have in the classic section Baby Dolls directed by the rat himself Elia Kazan uh, <laughs> Uh, starring Carl Malden and Carol Baker. And it's about a 19-year-old whose childlike beauty uh, gets into an arranged marriage. And, uh-oh, stuff goes wrong. Ooh, scandalous. This was a scandal, this movie, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, especially the poster. Oh, I would love a crossover. It's like the Unseen's Baby Man meets versus Baby Doll. <laughs> yeah. Right? The Unseen versus Baby Doll. Yeah. You a big fan? Elia the Rat Kazan. Yeah, I mean, I like the films of his I, I have seen, you know, don't like him as a person. But... <laughs> You're like, I agree with uh, On the Waterfront. We should destroy unions. They're bad. I mean, I do love On the Waterfront. Uh, great movie. But yeah, I mean, his stance on things is maybe not uh, maybe not the best. But yeah, I like, you know, I like Streetcar Named Desire. I've always wanted <laughs> to see this Is maybe not one. the best. <laughs> 
not the best. Not not a great man. Yeah, great opinion, director. But, but good director. So moving on, we have San Francisco. Uh, I'm not familiar with this film. It's a Clark Gable, Janet McDonald, Spencer Tracy joint directed by W.S. Van Dyke, the man who made The Thin Man. It's about a beautiful singer and a battling priest. Ooh, a battling priest. So he knows martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have a priest off at one point. Uh, try to reform a Barbary Coast saloon owner in the days before the earthquake. Oh, man, there's so much uh, juice going on in this one. Yeah. A lot going on here. A lot going on. This is a musical, right? I'm surprised you haven't. Uh... <laughs> Are you surprised? I don't watch all these classic Warner Brothers musicals. I've seen like none of them. <laughs> well, fine. Uh, we also have the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. This is a made-for-TV movie, and it's uh, in February 1962 as the civil rights movement reaches Bayonne, Louisiana, a New York journalist arrived to interview Jane Pittman, who just turned 110. She tells him the story dating back to her earliest memories before slavery ended. In between the chapters of her life, the present-day struggles of blacks in Bayonne, urged on by Jimmy, are mm, dramatized. This was a huge television movie back in the day. Mm, never heard of it. Yeah, this was based on a... This was a really famous book, obviously, first, and then it was made into Liad Emmy, I think it won... Yeah, won nine primetime Emmys in 1974 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, this is a pretty big deal. Um, I don't know. I mean, 70s movies now on Blu-ray or 70s TV movies on Blu-ray. I'm not it's sure. It's like we the... went through our whole catalog. Take take this. I mean, take it's been it. on DVD for years, and I'm sure the DVD probably looks fine. But, you know, you know, if you need that sweet Blu-ray upgrade. We also have Man with a Movie Camera. Uh, directed by Zviga Zviga Vertov. Vertov, yeah. Uh, this movie's fun for like 15 minutes. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> wow, look at all this cool stuff. Oh, it's continued going on, eh? Yeah, it's experimental, all right? Yeah, all right. I know, I know. <laughs> I've seen yeah, it. I know. This was a film school staple for me, I think. This was something we saw, I had to watch in like one of my first classes. And yeah, I, I liked it a lot. We all have Everybody to. Everybody has right? to. It's like this and uh, Rome Open City. Every time I see the visuals, I always think of like, um, the factory music, like from my car, or what is it? What is the classic? It's like you know, this is the kind of movie that's great to put on a party or something. You know, with the music, the music, the stuff in the background. People love that. It sets the mood. It sets the mood. They're like, look at that shot of people walking over the glass, and they're all coming together. So this was actually already put out on Blu-ray several years ago from Flickr Alley in like a really expensive set that included this and a bunch of other Ziga Veritov short films. It was like a Ziga Veritov collection. Did go into public domain and Kino's I mean, like... Kino put out the DVD like special edition of this years ago. I feel like this is a movie that anybody can kind of put out at this point. 1929? So. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the, the rules are, but I'm sure Kino is above well, board. Well, Kino and Flickr Alley both have their own releases of this, but this is just Man with a Movie Camera. Oh, no uh, special features? No, I think there's some special features that are different from what the Flickr Alley set is, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what the quality difference is if you already bought that uh, previously. So in our Spaghetti Western corner, we have one called The Hills Run Red from 1966. Uh, you know what? I haven't used the button, but da -da -da -da. there's so many movies called The Hills Run Red. <laughs> Yeah, there's that horror movie. Yeah, right, there's recently. another one as well. Maybe this one was the first one. It's directed by Carlin Lazani, who's probably most famous for directing the preacher western Requisite. 
He also did like some Euro crime ones that Arrow put out. I'm not that familiar with him. Me neither. So let's move on. We have right. Jetsons the movie, which I wanted to do as the blind buy this week. Did it come in late? Is that uh, what happened? It came in late. I'm sorry. I would have been totally open to doing this, but we got it into the last minute and it is a late release. So I figured I'd throw it on here. Why? Are you a big Jetsons fan? No, not at all. I, I've always been baffled when somebody's like, I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I'm like, you are? <laughs> like, I, I watch Scooby-Doo all the time as a kid and i loved it and i ate it up but even i knew it was shit <laughs> yeah right uh and the jetsons were the same thing i must have watched it endlessly like it wasn't syndication i guess maybe at lunchtime when i was a kid i definitely saw it here and there but it wasn't something i ever like religiously watched i mean i didn't i'm trying to think like did i even like any of the characters like i hated george jetson he sucked yeah he's kind of a dink right so what's the deal with this movie? This is like from the 90s then. Yeah, eh? it was like a late period. I think they were trying to reboot it. I don't know the whole history behind it. It's famously a very impoverished production. But uh, the reason I do have some familiarity with it is that it has an amazing like pop song in the middle of it because there's like a pop star character. And uh, yeah, I, I listen to that song a lot because it's a real banger. What is it? Co- really? It, I think it's like, oh, it's Maybe Love. It's like, maybe love. Da, da, da. <laughs> like a real like 80s power ballad kind of thing. Yeah, Maybe Love, Maybe Not. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's exactly what Performed it is. Performed by Steve McClintock. Because <laughs> there's a whole bunch of like 80s song. Like uh, yeah, uh, there's a Tiffany, seen... so- two Tiffany songs. Yep, there's a couple Tiffany songs, eh? Yeah, I'm just looking at the soundtrack listing here. It looks like a banger for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's famously, uh, for movies, famous. Famously terrible. Nobody likes it. But I do appreciate that Kino went the extra mile. There's a commentary track on this. I hope they've been listening to like our podcast because they have like every release now has a commentary track. And so- sometimes it's just like it's a journalist. They're talking for 90 minutes. They don't even need an expert anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just get any bum. I mean, the street, that's right? happening. Uh, it's coming up in a few. I still not have not received my call, Kino. Look, we just did this podcast. That's all we were... Like us. Like us. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we had The Kid Stays in the Picture, the Robert Evans yeah, film. Yeah, I never, uh, never saw this documentary, but it's supposed to be really good. Actually. What? Yeah. yeah, for some reason, this just fell through the You know, I never became me. a big Robert Evans fan, like a lot of people did around this time. Like, they liked his voice. They loved his bullshit stories. I assume they loved the cartoon where he played a child, Kid Notorious. <laughs> right. And he voiced himself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so finally out on Kino. I f- has it not been released before? Like, it feels like something I mean, should have been, been out on DVD before, but yeah, it's just never been out on Blu-ray. So, I mean, if you need this movie on Blu-ray, I guess <laughs> all that archival. Uh, speaking footage. of things that have come out on Blu-ray and are back again, it's the underneath, and you may go. Uh, the Steven Soderbergh film. And you may go, wait, it's never been on Blu-ray. Oh, oh well, that's because you're not a, a Soderbergh super fan because you would know that it was released on the Criterion King of the Hill Blu-ray and because Soderbergh's like, this movie sucks, so I'm just going to include it as an extra. Yeah, not only that, but with an intro of him talking about how this movie sucks. <laughs> he just talks about how like horrible of a filmmaker he was at this point and everything. You know what? I actually kind of like this film, so maybe that just, you know. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's a real bummer that they couldn't get the Criterion extra for this Blu-ray release. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't think there's much on this, obviously. And I, I guess this is... There's a commentary. They got a new commentary oh, okay. track. So I guess this is some weird contractual thing. Because, I mean, Kino has, like, a lot of the Universal catalog, which is what this is. But I guess Criterion just had a special deal to put it on as, like, a bonus feature or something. Yeah, I mean, if you already have that King of the Hill set, there's literally no point in buying this because the movie looks great on that Criterion set. I don't think they've done anything else no, to it. No, they don't. So if you have that set, just hold I think 
that King of the Hill set is out of print, no, isn't it? No, it's still around. It's still going. Yeah, and it's nice. And King of the Hill is a great movie. Um, King of the Hill's okay, <laughs> but yes, I you don't. I, I, uh, you don't like King of the Hill? It's all like right. Like it's definitely Soderbergh trying to do something that's not uh, to his strengths. Totally, totally. Nope. Uh, the King of the Hill is currently unavailable. Uh, well, we have copies here, so. Oh man, I ordered it off, off the internet a few months ago because I was like, uh, Bay Street did. Doesn't yeah, have it. We should still have copies. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe we've sold out recently and we can't get more. But I'll uh, I'll double check. Maybe that's it. what it is. Uh, but that's usually the way Bay Street goes. You should ask them because they have like the big releases. They usually have one or two copies. That's how I got the Jacques Rivette set for like market price, which is now goes for like four hundred dollars, something ridiculous which is like now that. So out of print, super out of print now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the underneath. So yeah, this is his remake of Crisscross trying to do his whole like super noir kind of thing i don't know this movie's just like style over substance for well, sure we're talking about steven soderbergh are you excited for the box set that he announced oh i'm so excited i've been like yeah if you hear anything about when that's dropping you gotta let me know because i feel like i'm, a, I'm i don't miss, think he's said I feel like i'm gonna miss any it. it's gonna dates be a... but he's gonna i think he's gonna do it directly through his website too like he's not going yeah, through criteria that's what it seemed like oh yeah no i'm and i'm all because what is it what is it gonna be it's gonna be kafka full frontal the girlfriend experience one of his Spalding Gray documentaries. And, yeah, one of the Spalding Grays, uh, which I'm blanking on which one and it is And there's one more, I think. And he said it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, the big get is Kafka. And it's going to be his re-edit, re too. Yeah. too. Yeah. And, which I've never seen, so I'm very, very... It's not very good, <laughs> the original version. I've had, like, a bad, like, torrent of it aside for years that I've just never gotten to, but... It, it was released on Blu-ray in Germany, I right, think. Right, right. But no, I'm very excited for that set, especially because it's, like, self... I'm all for, like, self-released kind of sets, so I need to get my hands on that. He better do commentaries! Soderbergh doesn't do commentaries anymore, but he better do them for the set. I feel like he must. If he's self-releasing this, he's got to do it, right? I hope so. So, moving on, we have The War, directed by everyone's favorite, John Avnet of Fried Green Tomatoes fame. And it's the Kevin Costner and Elijah Wood film about Kevin Costner uh, being a Vietnam vet. Can't uh, befriend his son, I guess? Something like I don't know. I've never seen this movie, but I always remember it, like, seeing it at the video store and everything, and... I don't know. John Avnet. Does anybody like John? Oh, we've talked about John Avnet before. I was... Oh, my God. We're going to talk about every, like, crappy journeyman director on the show. <laughs> His most recent film, Three Christ, came oh, out a little yeah, while Oh, yeah, that was That's him. That's what it was, remember? That was him. That was him. The best John Avnet movie is 88 Minutes, though, with Al Pacino. I did so. get excited. Th oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that you have, like, a... Is that Ed Burns no, in that movie? No, that, I think we had this exact same have conversation. We had this exact same yeah, conversation. 15 Minutes with Robert De Niro. 88 Minutes is with Al Pacino, it's where he gets a phone call saying he's got 88 minutes to live and he has to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I got excited because I thought this was the Canadian film, The War, based on the Timothy Finley novel that was finally getting released. And it is not. That film has never gotten a VHS or DVD release. Yeah, sad state of affairs in this country, that's for sure. So moving on, we have a film that I know that Mark watched, The Cowboy Way. <laughs> How do you know that? Uh, because I, I, I think I suggested this for the blind buy this week. Did uh, you? No, you didn't, because I would have said yes no, if you suggested. I 
posted this. You totally this. said the cowboy way. No, like, you didn't say Woody Harrelson, Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, I did. I did. You I said think the net, the net too. You were mis- you were misremembering. I totally threw out the cowboy way. Well, whatever, because it's terrible. I'm never so gonna watch it now. So. Yeah, no, it's okay. You didn't. Miss, I kind of half watched it while I was doing work, and that's uh, yeah, pretty much everything you'd expect from like a lame '90s comedy about cowboys taking on the big city um, that's all you got wow okay <laughs> yeah that's all that's all i got that's all i got it's it's really uninterested it's everything that you would think would happen in this kind of movie does happen uh, a lot of like offensive jokes in it uh you had dylan mcdermott in there as like a greasy drug dealer you sure it wasn't uh doron mcrooney or whatever his name is no i know i was i was wondering but no it's definitely dylan mcdermott Um, do you think they could both star in like a buddy cop action movie they should i'm surprised that hasn't hasn't happened yet (laughs) but yeah in terms of like the buddy nature of woody harrelson Kiefer sutherland i honestly like i like both of those guys but they did not have much chemistry together in this movie (laughs) so moving on we got the net the net two uh the net being Carl Reiner's favorite film, Rest in Power. Uh, it's the net 2.0, by the way. So, you know, it's the, um, you got to get the tech aspect in there. Um, I don't know. The net, you know, the net I kind of enjoyed when I was a kid. It played uh, on TBS all the time. It played on TBS all the time. Watched it again uh, fairly in the, within the last few years because it was on Netflix and I threw it on. And it really does not hold up. It's actually pretty boring. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The net 2.0 straight to video sequel they did in the mid 2000s and you know this is a mill creek uh all right moving on the new stuff take us take us away on the magic carpet ride mark new movies all right what do we got what do we got we got <laughs> what do we got what do we got place your bets on this list uh the good lord we're gonna start off with some tv we got the good lord bird which is the ethan hawk uh, miniseries that everybody's talking about where he plays abolitionist john brown uh, I hear this is really good, and I love me some Ethan Hawke, so I definitely want to he check this out. He loves being in westerns, and I love him for that. Like, he's clearly, like, hunting these roles yeah, down. Yeah, he's been in more westerns lately than uh, ever before, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is supposed to be excellent, um, and, yeah, check it out. I'm sure it's going to be up for all the award TV awards at the end of the, whenever the next TV awards are, who even knows. And then we got Lovecraft Country season one. This was a big show, right? I don't know. I feel like uh, people I liked the first this. two episodes and then they hated the rest. <laughs> and then nothing And else. it's because it's an anthology series. And I don't think people realize that because I had read the book before. So like the tone of the stories were like, what the hell is this? And it just fell completely off the map and people stopped talking about it after like four episodes. Right. Yes. I also did not know it was an anthology show. So well, it's not is- really like it's characters within the same universe, but like. It, like, splits off to tell, like, the story of, like, you know, a side character for a couple of episodes. Right, right. And then I think it probably comes back together at the end to do, like, a two-parter where all the characters come back together. Uh, Next up, we've got Harley Quinn Season 2, which a lot of people seem to like, this animated Harley Quinn show. I I don't know. We we get a lot of sales on it. Yeah, wait. Isn't there, like, a Blu-ray of Season 1 and 2 together that's being released? Yep. So Season 1 had just come out on DVD about a year ago now, and now Season 2 is. And I guess at the time, they never released a Blu-ray of Season one so now they're just slamming both together on a blu-ray so sorry for everybody who bought season one and wanted that on blu-ray you gotta double dip for this so we also have arch enemy the new film from the director of daniel isn't real yeah, this is Adam Egypt Mortimer, and this is kind of like a superhero riff. What, is he real? Is he not? I've never seen this, like in the Michael Rappaport film special, 
or the Woody Harrelson film Defender. Or any number of these kind of movies. Um, I don't know. I, did, did people like this? I feel like this guy kind, of, kind of got mixed reviews. Mixed to decent reviews. People really like Daniel Isn't Real, so I guess that kind of gave him a bit more leeway to do a bigger type film for his follow-up. Uh, but, you know, when you got superheroes involved, that uh, kills any interest I would have in it. So. Directed by the guy. What? Why is that, Mark? So you didn't like superheroes when you were a kid either, right? Like no Batmans and Spider-Mans? You know, I was into like superhero movies when I was a kid, like the Joel Schumacher Batman movies or like I was into like the bad 90s superhero movies. What about like, the, so you didn't watch like the Batman animated series, like Mask of the Phantasm or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I would see that stuff. I think it was just when it started getting a little too, it started getting air of an air of pretension about itself when like Marvel and DC started becoming like big things. I keep thinking of this air of pretension and I'm like, what the hell are people talking about <laughs> like i know it's popular well, it's air that these are like big important films you don't get that i get the way people talk about these movies or that this is like important this is like important art and it's like you don't have to you don't have to convince me this is important it weirds me out because it's like i was bullied for liking comic books when i was a kid and now people are bullying people who like superhero movies in a different way. I think I don't care if you like them. Yeah, like it's just it's just not. No, no, no. I know you. You don't. You don't do that. I'm thinking of other people who are like very vocal yeah, about it. No, I would never be like, oh, like ban them all. Like you guys are all nerds. Like I don't care. Like I think it's just it's never been something that's really interested me that much. And I think the things I liked about them in the '90s, like the really campy. I mean, I guess the stuff that. People, most people who like superhero movies now would consider like bad qualities. I kind of like those bad qualities. Like I'll take a movie like the Joel Schumacher Batman's or like Spawn or like any like bad, even like Albert Pune's Captain America. Like any of those, I would take those over um, anything new coming out superhero wise, just because it's got like a sameness to me too. I think whereas at least there were some sort of differentiations between styles and stuff in some of the 90s ones but then yeah i haven't really i was never really into the 80s superhero stuff like superman either so there's some i liked some i didn't but now like the new ones that come out just don't they all just kind of look like the same thing to me and it just doesn't appeal to me so uh, but I'm sure this movie's different a little bit because it's oh, like, completely different, and you would love it if you watched it. <laughs> it's in a yeah. I'm sure maybe I'd get something out of this. But moving on, we've got Synchronic, which is the new movie from uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, the directors of The Endless, Spring, um, Resolution. So they're really like oh, I, you know what? I love Resolution, and since then I'm like, when are they going to make another good movie? It's not this one. Oh boy. Yeah, I feel uh, the exact same way as you. I loved Resolution when I first saw it. Uh, I think at like Toronto After Dark years ago, uh, and I was like really tooting their horn for a while. And I, since then, I haven't been impressed in anything they've really done. I haven't actually seen this one yet, but only because I just don't. I just don't really care. Oh yeah. my god, it's just talk 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 throughout it and like the time travel mechanism is so obvious and they do nothing with it like it's like oh that's a shame because this is kind of like their first bigger movie like with big hollywood stars in it somewhere i remember but... when spring came out and there was a bunch of hype around it and i saw it at tiff and i was like this is not very good Yeah, i felt the same way people were losing their mind over it. i'm like it's okay like i don't think their stuff is bad but it just didn't 
I, it gives me, me a sense, like, with Resolution, it was, like, I thought it was really clever and cool. And then since then, I feel like they think their stuff is a little more clever than it actually is. I would say Resolution probably just made it on the actors that were so charming. Oh, yeah, because it's really funny, right? And it's got it sustains that level of weirdness. Whereas something like, you know, The Endless, where you have the directors actually acting in it, too, which I didn't think was maybe the best choice for that. Um I thought that movie was almost insufferable to sit through. It just, like, bored me to tears. Uh, maybe because the, the acting quality wasn't a, as good. But, I, yeah, I don't know. People really like these guys. These guys have a huge fan base. They're getting bigger and bigger. They're getting big projects now, uh, right? Yeah, big superhero projects. Because <laughs> they're directing Moon Knight, the uh, Marvel TV right. series. Well, that's the goal for any director trying to make Is it big, it? right? Get to a <laughs> like... superhero franchise. Seems to be... Moving on, we've got uh, a couple of um, sort of disastery type thrillers. We've got Horizon Line, which is about a couple who's taken a like a private plane, uh, and then the pilot has a heart attack or something, and they have to uh, pilot the plane somewhere, even though they're over the middle of the ocean. So this one stars Allison Williams from Girls, and I don't know, this one came and went pretty fast, so I don't know much about it. <laughs> then we've got Breaking Surface, which is a Swedish-Norwegian co-production about a couple sisters who are doing some like diving in the wilderness, and then one of them gets trapped underwater, and uh, it's another survival-type thriller that's supposed to be pretty good. And then we've got uh, Justin's favorite genre, World War II movies coming up. Boo. We've got A Call to Spy, which is about uh, British uh, British ladies in World War II who were called upon to become spies under Churchill's government. I don't know. It looks like the kind of bland World War II movie that we usually get in here. So there you go. We've got God of the Piano, uh, which is a Hebrew, Hebrew film about a woman who wants her... Uh, son or daughter i can't remember which one to um be a piano prodigy but uh the kid is deaf which causes a lot of problems <laughs> that would cause a lot of problems we've got the road to mandalay which is a burmese film but about a couple of burmese immigrants who uh go to thailand to find a new or to try and start a new life it's from an up-and-coming director called midi z who's been getting some acclaim lately on the festival rounds we've got our mothers which is a guatemalan film about the civil war there and we've got the swordsman which is a korean period uh action type film i don't know do you know much about this one not much it's like a one first time director it's like a swordplay film i watched like the first 10 minutes and i went uh yeah i've seen this before haven't gone back to it i don't know what this is <laughs> all right uh, well, on to some horror stuff. We've got Fear of Rain, uh, which looks kind of funny. It stars Catherine Hyde. <laughs> rain! Harry... Chubby Rain! Chubby Rain! And Harry Connick Jr., remember him? As, uh... I like Harry Connick Jr. So they play parents of a schizophrenic teenager who becomes convinced that their neighbor has, like, kidnapped a child or something. But, you know, it's all from the perspective of this girl. So it's like, is it real? Is it not real? I don't know. Are we going to use schizophrenia as a dramatic trope? You bet we are. So there we oh, go. Oh, did you watch I this? I didn't. I was kind of intrigued because it kind of reminded me of all those uh, horror thrillers in the early 2000s that used schizophrenia as like a plot twist or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the reviews are pretty terrible for this. So I don't know. Uh, then next up, we've got Villains, which is kind of like a don't breathe sounding type thing where it's like a couple of burglars played by uh bill skarsgård and micah monroe break into this couple's house but then they find out that the couple i think are like serial killers or something it's one of those kind of things 
Uh, I heard really good things about this, though. I don't know. Did you see I this I refuse one? to watch anything uh, with a SARS guard in the title. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> no SARS guards. No, I know. I won't. That's a sore spot with you. And then next, we've got some Canadian content coming up. Uh, first up, Wander, which, even though it stars Aaron Eckhart and Tommy Lee Jones, is a Canadian movie uh, that's directed by April Mullen, who is the director of Below Her Mouth. That was the one she made? She- Yes, Below Her Mouth, uh, 88. Uh, she's been making films in Canada for many years now, and this is kind of um, like a Canadian-American co-production that she did with some big stars. It's kind of like a small-town, quirky, suspense thriller thing. I don't know. You like Aaron Eckhart, Tommy Lee Jones? I mean, not particularly. Does anybody, like, like Aaron Eckhart? I mean, I feel like I liked Aaron Eckhart at one point, you know, in the... In, oh, she first... directed Dead Before Dawn 3D from 2012. There you go. There you go. You know, Canadian pride here. Uh, otherwise, we've got some some other real Canadian stuff. Or Room for Rent, which is a black comedy about a guy whose friend moves into his place temporarily and then won't leave. I think is what it is. Yeah, and the friend, the obnoxious friend, is pre- played by Brett Gelman, who is a very funny guy who's done a lot of tv and stuff if uh you don't know who he is uh, he was also in the movie lemon which is good and he's also on fleabag which is probably where people most know him most from these days uh don't they know brett gelman from the classic show Eagleheart, where he plays chris elliott's uh, sidekick i was just gonna say Eagleheart is a real uh cult favorite of mine that movie is have you seen that... Eagleheart season three i feel like we've talked about this already i don't already. know if i have i definitely saw the first couple seasons i guess i don't oh you need to see season three that's the one that had the joe estevez episode the joe estevez stars yeah i somebody lent me a dvd of it i believe when it was first coming out that i think had the first two seasons on it then i blazed yeah i don't know if the third season ever got a dvd release but it's amazing it's actually like a serialized story that tells one story over 10 episodes Oh, that's awesome yeah i gotta get back into hey we didn't cover why this is truly canadian room for rent because it also stars mark little right canadian royalty come on (laughs) right of course picnic face face. i always see his face and i always like forget who it is to be honest he's like oh he has liked my tweets so i have to like him yeah he made a really funny show called gary and his demons an animated show that has been banished to like the online cbc portal and it's the only place where to watch it oh damn well so you're gonna come and you're gonna rush down here and buy this movie then because you're such a no 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 No? not at all no (laughs) anyways moving on we've got uh, a couple documentaries we've got always in season which is about uh about lennon lacey who was the 14 year old boy who was uh who was lynched basically in the u.s in 2014 awful awful story and this follows his mother as she tries to kind of like explore the history of lynching in america so some really serious stuff here i believe danny glover is a producer on this documentary it's supposed to be really really good though and obviously really um incendiary stuff and we've also got the russian five which is a hockey documentary which is right up my alley uh this is about the basically the russian invasion of players who were coming over to the nhl in the 90s after the ussr kind of fell apart uh, especially with the detroit uh, red wings who basically kind of built their dynasty off the backs of like these amazing Russian players that were coming out. 
coming over. Um, there was already a documentary about this several years ago called Red Army, which uh, is really really good. So I'm not sure. I haven't seen this one yet, uh, but it takes like a diff. Maybe it takes like a different stance. I don't know. Also got good reviews. But if you're into hockey or Red Army, I'm sure this will be fascinating. Listen, I only like hockey if the team is made up of players from the local town and I have some association with them. In which case, I could care. It, like if they're my friends and they're playing. If they're just strangers from Russia, no, no thank, thank you. you. No, I grew up, you know, right in that time where I was, was watching the Detroit Red Wings win the Stanley Cup like all the time and it was really annoying to me because I was a big Colorado Avalanche fan which was their kind of rival. <laughs> Wait, why? Why Colorado Avalanche? No, well, because Colorado used to be the Quebec Nordiques way back in the day. Ah, that's why. And they moved to Colorado. I was a big Quebec Nordiques fan so I Wait, kind of, were Quebec yeah. Nordiques good? Why did you like the Quebec Nordiques? I just, be, well it kind of started because Wendell Clark is my, was, was my favorite hockey player I think growing up. Who's Wendell Clark? You don't know who Wendell Clark is? Holy, okay. I don't Wendell know. Wendell Clark is one is of the- Is he Wayne Gretzky? If not, then I don't know who he is. He's one of the most, he's probably one of the more famous Toronto Maple Leaf players, uh, but then he- Is he from Toronto? Yeah, yeah, he's from the Toronto area. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I got your yeah, back on this one. He's got a big mustache. You know, you've definitely Ooh, seen- Ooh, I like you've that. definitely seen this guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, he got traded. Yeah, he got kind of traded to Quebec, so I was, like, a big fan of him, so I kind of followed him there, and then Quebec moved to Colorado. It's a whole I've thing. never seen this guy's face, so, no, this never seen him. No, famous, a Toronto, you know, a Toronto celebrity. My parents, sure. my, my parents didn't watch sports, so uh, I never talked about it with my friends. That's fair. He was my dad's, like, favorite hockey player, so kind of just, He like, looks like someone's over. dad. Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> definitely got a dad look, so that's why that appeals to me. Uh, but moving on to... And what happened uh, to Wendell Clark? Did he win the, the Stanley Cup playing for the Cal- no, Colorado he, Avalanche? No, he did not. He, unfortunately, that was kind of near the end of his career that he was playing for them. So, But then I was a big fan of Joe Sackick. Do you know who Joe Sackick is? Nope. Let's, we're, we're just going to... I don't know who anybody is. Uh, do you know who Moon Knight is? Mark? Yeah, he played for he played for the no. uh, New York Rangers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, speaking of of people with schizophrenia, that was Moon Knight's whole thing. All right, moving on. So to stuff that's totally different, we got some mumblecore esque type stuff coming up, which is right up my alley as well. We've got Nancy Please, which is a drama about a. A guy. It's kind of like a dark comedy drama about a guy who's going to uh, a Yale University student who's like working on his thesis, and he he's just moved into a new place with his girlfriend, and then he realizes he's left his like annotated note, noted copy of Little Dorrit at his old place with his roommate, who's like this lady who's like a real nightmare and won't give it back to him. So it becomes this like battle of wills of him trying to get his book. Back. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Got an interesting setup. I will say the main character is super obnoxious and like heart, but I think that's kind of the point too. It's supposed to be kind of this, like, cause he's sort of like this bougie, you know, universe, Yale university student, whereas his old roommate is kind of more of like, she's like a townie who works at like the bar. So there's kind of that like class sort of like conflict there. And the fact is, it becomes all this thing is like he just can't start writing his thesis without this book, which he doesn't even really need. But he kind of like makes it into this thing where he's like got writer's block because of this like old roommate of his. It's kind of intriguing. If you like mumblecore stuff, I would say I would say check it out. Even better than that is 14, which is coming out from Grasshopper. This is Dan Salit's new film. Not sure if you're familiar with him. Nope. Never heard that he's name. Been, he's been kind of Was a, he a fi- hockey player of some kind. He's been kind of a fixture of like the New York mumblecore indie scene for like at least a decade now he made movies like the unspeakable act which was kind of like a light-hearted indie movie about incest which he made a couple of years ago uh, 
this movie is really really cool it just kind of explores a friendship between two young two women from the course of like their early 20s to like maybe their 30s and it kind of like jumps forward in time uh periodically as they both kind of like take different paths i don't really want to say too much more about it other than that it's just really really good really dramatic like hit me hard emotionally it was one of my favorite definitely one of my favorite movies of last year uh and it's great that grasshopper is putting it out because his stuff doesn't really get like that widely released so it's nice to see um coming out so definitely check out dan salit stuff and especially this movie 14 uh and then we've got once upon a river which is a indie movie another american indie flick which is based on a pretty popular book about a native american teen who basically goes uh into the wilderness and takes a trip up the Stark River to try and find her mother, who she never knew. Uh, supposed to be pretty good stuff. Uh, we've got Hearts and Bones, which is an Australian film starring everybody's Australia favorite favorite Australian actor Hugo Weaving, in kind of a uh, no. My favorite Australian actor is coming up in two movies. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know who. You're... So yeah, this is Hugo Weaving plays like a war photographer. It's a drama about you know war photography. And then we've got Survival Skills, which is kind of a fun, interesting movie. It's kind of like a faux police training video from the 80s. Oh, I've seen this. I love this movie. I thought it was great. I thought this was really interesting. I I think it didn't maybe go quite as far as I would have liked it to go in terms of its satirical elements but I thought it was really uh, really entertaining and the uh, the lead actor who plays this kind of like robotic cop I mean they even call him Robocop jokingly throughout it um, is really funny and Stacy Keach plays like the narrator and he's awesome in it too um, uses that VHS aesthetic really well um, yeah really like definitely a cool surprising uh, indie film from this past year and then, you want to tee up this last one then, since your favorite Australian actor's in it? Uh, yeah, this is the very excellent Mr. Dundee. It, it stars Paul Hogan as himself. Wow. And that's all I know, because, you know, I didn't want any spoilers for when I finally check it out. So you're actually going to check this out. Are you a big Crocodile Dundee fan? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, probably on the Important Cinema Club, at some point I'll threaten a <laughs> Crocodile uh, Dundee, like, marathon, where we have to watch all four Crocodile Dundee movies. <laughs> Does this count now as part of the Dundee. Uh, oh, definitely. Uh, part of the Dundeeverse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I don't, think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen a Crocodile Dundee movie. I feel like I saw parts of you one You know what? On TV, I must have maybe. seen one when I was a kid, but I have no memory of it at this point. Yeah, I just remember the clip of the, the like the knife clip being shown like all the time at the Oscars. Whoa, and... Paul Hogan has barely acted in anything. He only has 14 credits. Yeah, like, what else is he known for? Like, nothing, right? It's just Crocodile Dundee. He was in Flipper. He was in a movie called Lightning Jack. Okay. I remember him in Flipper, for sure. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything. Yep, he doesn't. And that's really all I have to say about this movie, because I didn't see it. what did he do? What got him Crocodile Dundee? Like, who is Paul Hogan? Like, where did he I don't know. He was on a TV show before that. Yeah, I I don't know. People, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like I saw part of... People don't love Crocodile Crocodile Dundee anymore. There's not like Crocodile Dundee it's fans. Just, yeah, it just seems like a relic of the 80s, you know? No, no. I'm really. surprised that you don't have more nostalgia for that, because I feel like that would be more up your alley. But I guess, like you said, it was an 80s thing, wasn't a 90s thing, which would fall within your sweet spot. A little before my time, but I do, I definitely remember seeing parts of either the first
first or the second one on TBS a lot because they definitely played it on TBS a bunch. Um, and who can forget the long gap sequel, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles from 2001. I, I remember when that was coming out theatrically and nobody went they to see like, that. They uh, like advertised it so much for some baffling reason. So weird, right? Like Crocodile Dundee hadn't been a thing since the 80s and now in like 2001, you're going to try and bring it back. But... Okay, sure. All right, so that's um, it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. That's, it. that's all there is. That's it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's all. That's she, all. That's all she said. So, as per usual, Bay Street Video still not open. You got to call if you want to uh, come and pick up yep, some stuff. Still doing curbside pickups and shipping. Uh, the Ontario stay-at-home order was extended for another couple weeks, which is definitely for the best. Um, and who knows what's going to happen? All up. right. So until next week, my name is Justin the Glue. I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. That's not a These knife. movies and many more are available at your local video store. I just remember that being, they whenever they did Oscar clip shows of like great moments from movies, they would always play the crocodile. And it's like, wait, did Paul Hogan win an Oscar or something? Why do they keep showing but this? No, not at all. It's just like, this is a great American movie moment, even though it's about an Australian dude. <laughs>